0: Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond uh, to God's goodness, the one who has created us and redeemed us in Christ. And so it's good to be here in person. I'm glad that we can gather. Also, thank you for those who are joining us online, that we can worship together. It's a reminder that God has called us, and this is the first Sunday of the season of Advent. Advent, as a reminder, is the season in which we remember that God has come to us in Christ And also the promise that he'll come again to make all things new. And so it's a season in which we look with anticipation and longing for God to come and be near to us and to restore things. As part of this season, I want to direct your attention. You can look at the back of your order of worship and there'll be a number of announcements there. And so I want to just highlight a couple things. Uh, This Wednesday is the first of a two-part Advent discussion group that we're going to have, so December 1st in the community space at 7.30. Uh, We'll read a sermon together and discuss it as a group, so that's at 7.30 on Wednesday. Also, just to kind of put on your calendar, on December 12th, on the third Sunday of Advent, we'll have a special service called Lessons and Carols, and then after that we're having an all-church lunch. Uh, Not here, but over on Rockwell, where our church office and community space are located, so... I hope you can join us uh, for the service, but also stay and, and head over for the lunch. If you need help with rides or anything like that, just, just let me know. Uh, one other note is that we have a mission partner that we're highlighting during Advent called True Light. Uh, they work with children in Ethiopia. Uh, th- this, today, Anna Worley is gonna share a presentation down with the children's worship class, but going forward, there'll be information at the welcome table that you can pick up um, and learn more about if you'd like to be part of that work over the next few weeks think those are the things to highlight um, if children are going to the preschool class or children's worship they can make their way to the back now to the door leading to the basement both those classes are downstairs and those classes will run the full length of our uh, worship service well god has called us to come and to respond in worship let's take a moment of quiet as we prepare to come before god
1: Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 25. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together? Turn to me.
2: To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long.
1: Turn to me, be gracious.
2: Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord.
1: and forgive.
3: This week we light the first advent candle. This candle reminds us of the hope of God's promise witnessed to us by the prophets. Jeremiah prophesied, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. We light this candle in hope, the hope of our coming Savior, Jesus. Come then, Lord Jesus.
1: Will you stand with us and we'll sing together. Oh come
2: Would you please join me in prayer? Eternal and steadfast God, your promises are never failing. You come this morning, we come this morning, to give you glory and praise for your mighty acts and works in our lives. Through your prophets of old, you spoke your word and promised to restore our lives and creation once again. You promise to defeat evil and crush the hold sin has upon us. You promise to come and transform and comfort those that are broken, ailing, and lost. You promise to defend the weak and vulnerable and make right that which is wrong. Your promises are vast and numerous and marvelous beyond all measure, and yet so often when we encounter them, we come distrusting and questioning them. They seem too wonderful, too marvelous, too amazing. This world makes us makes and breaks promises so easily. We say yes when we really mean no, and no when we mean yes. Yet your word does not uh, stand. Your word does not fail, like ours does. Almighty God, give us grace this day to put off the things in our lives that burden us down, to put off the old habits and patterns of living that only brings sadness and pain to ourselves and those we love, to put off our sin that grips our lives, that we might live in freedom and that your love and rest in your gracious presence. Lord God, we also bring to you our burdens. Lord, our workplaces can bring frustrations and sorrows and doubts. Lord, we ask that by your spirit, you would draw near to those who are questioning their own work and vocation that you would lead them and direct them. Lord, we pray for those who are in transition, whether those who are moving on to new jobs or whether those who are looking for jobs. Lord, we pray for those in our midst, that you would be kind, that you would be gracious, that you provide work where there needs to be work, and that you would provide a sense of your peace and direction for those who are moving to different workplaces. Gracious God, we also pray for those who are who are sick within our midst, whether just with small head colds or, or long chronic illnesses, Lord, we pray that you would meet us, that you would bring your healing and comforting hand, and Lord, that you would strengthen us in our time of need. Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts for your, you coming into our lives, into our lives, our families, our communities, and the world around us, even as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, May we be a people who respond to your promises and live in light of your redeeming work. May we respond with generous lives oriented towards our neighbors in gracious love. And may our affections be transformed to seek the good of others. And may we not live in fear, knowing that your promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to pray god invites us to come with him to come to him with our confessions our burdens and our longings knowing that he's a gracious god who forgives we will first do this publicly and then privately lord something stirs deep within us a longing for connection a hope for rest a thirst for joy a hunger for peace Yet even with these longings, we confess that we become distracted, even weary in following you. We keep busy schedules, buy new things, and rush about trying to avoid our fears and loneliness. Be gracious to us, we pray. Awake us to your power and peace that we may remember how very near to us you are. Give us hope and perseverance as we wait for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I invite you to take a moment of personal quiet confession. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we thank you that although we are often too busy for you and for those around us, that you took the time to draw near to us and to provide forgiveness and grace and love. We pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. Would you please stand with me and hear these words of assurance that come from Psalm 32. Let us say them all together comfort comfort my people says your god speak tenderly to jerusalem and cry to her for that her welfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned amen you may be seated
3: Our New Testament lesson is going to be read from 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase in abounded love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your heart's blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And our Old Testament lesson is going to be read from Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Good morning, thankful for a chance to worship with you and look at God's word together. Thanks, Tommy, for reading the scriptures. As I mentioned in the beginning, as hopefully you've noticed through the service, this is the first Sunday of Advent. This is the season in which we intentionally remember that God has come to us in the person of Christ. We remember his birth, but we also look ahead and we remind ourselves of the promise that Christ will come again to make all things new. And so on this first Sunday, we're going to look at this passage from Jeremiah and a passage from Luke. These are traditional scripture lessons with Advent, and we're going to look at them together to see how they relate to one another. But maybe before we read those, just another moment, just some of us are familiar with Advent and others, this is, is a new season to celebrate. One of us to think about this morning is that Advent tells us something about ourselves and something about God. In particular, I think Advent tells us, reminds us of our limits. It invites us to think again about what it's like to wait. What it's like to long for something. Or to want something to be a certain way, but not have the power to make it so. Invites us into those realities. But Advent also tells us something about God. That not only is there our waiting, there is a God who not only made all things, but a God who makes promises and who is faithful to fulfill those promises in the person of Christ. So let's look at our passages. This is Jer- Tommy already read Jeremiah 33, and I'm going to read to us from Luke 21, verse 25 through 28, and then 34 through 36. This is Jesus speaking. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. And to stand before the Son of Man. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we think about these two passages, Jeremiah and from one from Luke. I want to have have two parts. First, to think about how Advent says something about us, and then how Advent says something about God. So, let's start with how Advent speaks to us about ourselves. I want us to think first about this prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke God's word to God's people during a very difficult time in Israel's history. Many people did not like what Jeremiah said, and as a result, at one point in Jeremiah's life and his ministry, a group of people threw him into an empty cistern. Now in ancient Israel, there were, there were no water towers. Rather, they during the rainy seasons, they would dig out cisterns. These were carved into limestone rock and, and a pear-shaped. so about, about 15 or 20 feet down, wide at the bottom with just an opening about two or three feet at the top. And if you can picture that, that carved out in the rock, that it would collect rainwater over the rainy season that they could use throughout the year. It was into such a cistern, such this carved out place in a rock, that Jeremiah found himself. No water in this one, but it was full of mud at the bottom. They threw Jeremiah in, and he sank in the mud longing to get out, ironically, Jeremiah became a symbol of the city that he loved, a symbol of Jerusalem, trapped, longing to be free, set again on solid ground. You see, at this time, Jerusalem was falling apart. The armies of the superpower Babylon had set up siege of the city. They surrounded it. And the people in the city cried out, what is happening? When will this stop? When will things be better? The scriptures tell us they had no answers for their children or for themselves. And in the pit, Jeremiah wept and he cried out and lament, his tears not just for himself, but for all those he represented. His tears, not just for the pressures from outside, from Babylon, but he lamented what was going on in the very hearts and lives of Jerusalem. He lamented selfish leadership. He lamented the loss of justice in society. Instead of protecting the weak, concerned for neighbors, the city was a place of greed. Jerusalem was trapped and sinking in muck and mire. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always struck me as interesting that the traditional reading for the beginning of Advent invites us to identify with a besieged city with a prophet trapped in a muddy cistern. Invites us to consider our own cries "Or how long or when will things be better. Invites us to consider our own experience of being frustrated of not being able to make things different when we long for them to be so. Maybe longing for those within our own life and who we want to be. Or maybe longing for things in our relationships or family. It could be in many different places within us or around us. Well, hundreds of years after Jeremiah was in the cistern and after he spoke, hundreds of years later, Jesus, in our passage in Luke, He uses language filled with images that describe a similar scene, a similar experience. This is a long discourse. Our passage in the order is just one part of it. But in the longer discourse, Jesus describes that there is a day coming when once again Jerusalem will be under siege. Not by the Babylonians, but this time by the Romans. And they will come with power, and they will surround you, and you will be stuck He says there will be suffering and loss and violence on that day. These warnings came true about 40 years later in 70 AD when Rome took Jerusalem and Jerusalem fell. See, Jesus, though, uses language that's not just speaking of that historic event. He does describe it. But like Jeremiah, he's using imagery to invite us into consider our own experience, the, the human condition, not just Jerusalem, but what it's like to be a human in this world. I'm struck that Jesus' words remind me of Psalm 46, a a psalm that maybe some of you know, but it's a very meaningful one to me. And it opens by giving images of solid things now shaking. It opens with describing the earth giving way, the mountains, the strong mountains trembling, and the sea roaring and foaming. Objects, parts of our life that we take as given. They are secure. Who can move a mountain? Who can move the earth? But they give way and they tremble and they shake. And Jesus is just speaking of something similar here. He he uses similar imagery. If you notice when he's describing, there will be signs in the stars and in the sun and in the moon. The nations on the earth will be in distress, overcome with fear. The sea will roar. You see, Jesus is using imagery of the heavens and on the earth and in the deep under the earth. Things that seem so secure and certain now are convulsing. Things that are solid are shaking and giving way. And he's describing what is going to happen in Jerusalem, but he's also inviting us to ponder how we feel. What is it like when something or someone who we deem secure, gives way or shows distress. when the things that we've built our life upon, that these things are certain, they shake and are not secure in the way that we thought. Advent says something about us. It invites us to think about our limits, about waiting, about feeling powerless in the face of certain experiences or conditions. But there's more than us and more than our waiting. heaven also tells us something about our God and the God who makes promises. You see the images of Jeremiah and Jesus tell us, tell us something that's really important. That God comes forth in the midst of our insecurity, not our security. That in the midst of our emptiness, not our abundance, that God draws near. Through Jeremiah, the Lord God says in those days at that time I I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David in the midst of human depravity and distress and violence and inability shall come a secure dwelling a new city one that cannot be moved And the one who does this work will be known is the one who executes justice and righteousness such that whoever dwells in the city, they will take the name, the Lord is our righteousness. Do you hear that? That's the title of the city, the, the safe dwelling, the new place. The Lord is our righteousness. Here is a place where we find security and acceptance before God, where we have a future that God gives to us. And it might be obvious, but we have to make clear that this title of the city proclaims that the dwelling, that this city, is not due to the inhabitant's strength or to their resolve or their goodness. Rather, the Lord is our righteousness, and by his grace, the true king will establish an enduring city, not built by human hands, but a foundation made by God himself. Well, this action of God, this work of God to address the creation and form of a secure place is described by Jesus in Luke this way, the people will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This is a reference to the prophet Daniel in which he describes a great law court scene in which God the judge finds in favor of his people. And the one representing the people, the one who stands in their place, is the Son of Man, the righteous branch of David who executes justice. And he is declared victorious over all of the forces of the world. And Jesus identifies himself as this Son of Man, the one who has come, the one who has risen, and the one who will come again. He who was crushed will be raised up and seated at the right hand of God to come to judge the living and the dead. The system that rejected Jesus, the system that seems so secure and right about what life is, the system that's so quick to tell us who we are or what we need to do, how to live, the system that tells us that power is to protect yourself and that the more you have, the more you are, or that you're on your own. This system will be judged and will fall, yet the kingdom and city that Jesus establishes will endure forever. This is the promise of our God. And the good news of the Lord being our righteousness is that he came to welcome us into his city. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to lift up those who have fallen to seek out and find the one who is lost and to give us his new name that we belong to his righteousness. As we close, I want to go back to the cistern of Jeremiah. (laughs) Through Jeremiah, the Lord announced, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the Lord, the fountain of living water. And they have carved out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Can you picture that? Remember the pear shaped digging into the limestone? God's saying, We've turned away from living water to dig a hole, dig a place that will not hold water. It's the same thing that Jesus says here in Luke. As you wait, Do not cling and hope in the systems of this world. Do not, especially in the moments of these signs, especially when things are shaken, things that seem so secure. Do not be fooled to think that your hope lies in your strength or your resources or your righteousness. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Watch that in the face of such uncertainty and shaking that you do not turn within yourself and hold on to your own hope. Do not forget about God or do not become lost in dissipation, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Or as one author put it, be on your guard. Don't get dulled and distracted by drinking and shopping or by the worries of what you have or do not have. I invite you to join with me let us confess both our waiting our limits to even be willing to acknowledge and look at them but to do so in light of the god who makes promises that he creates a city titled that he is our righteousness amen let's pray lord we thank you for who you are and we thank you lord that you are gracious and faithful and so lord as you invite us to confess our sins or to acknowledge our weaknesses our limits We give you thanks that we do so under the shelter of your promises, under the shelter of your grace. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. give thanks to
0: earth trembles and the stars shake like leaves your word will stand forever keep us watchful for the day when you will gather your people from all the ends of the earth so that we may greet you in glory through jesus christ our lord
1: the tender mercy of our god has come The tender mercy of our God has come down from on high, giving light to those in darkness and guiding our feet in
0: peace. You may be seated. Well, having heard God's word around that's for his people. During this time, we are participating in communion through our, our prepackaged elements. And so uh, if you're planning on taking communion today, uh, if you need one, uh, raise your hand and Monica has some extra ones in the back. Anyone need one? I invite you to go ahead and open those and prepare those to receive communion together. This table is a gift that God gives to us, a sacrament, that, a sign that Tells us again who God is in the gospel. And I want us to be clear as we think about the invitation to acknowledge uh, our limits or to acknowledge our, the ways we've forgotten God or turned away. That this table is not set for the strong, it's not set for those who know how to overcome every obstacle. Rather, Jesus makes clear He came for the sick, He came for the weak. He came for the sinner, and it's such people who are invited to his table, not those who think they can stand on their own, but those who know they need to live under the righteousness of Christ. So if that is you. If you know of your need, if you've confessed your faith in Christ, then let this table be one of encouragement and welcome to you today. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be an invitation to confess our need and to find Christ as the good news in the midst of that need. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table that you give us, this bread and cup, and we pray, Lord, that you would meet us here by your spirit. Lord, as we come in faith, Lord, we pray that you'd strengthen us, that even, especially in the times of difficulty or things shaking, that we would remember you and find our hope and rest in Christ. By your spirit, nourish us and strengthen us that we may walk again in new ways, as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. invite you, if you're able to stand with us together, that we can pray and sing together as God's people. Jesus, our Savior, we rejoice in your promise that the day of our salvation is near. Keep us faithful in love and watchful in prayer, so that we may stand with confidence and joy at your coming. God has been generous to us, and I'd highlight a note that if you'd like to respond in generosity, you can give to the work of the church. There's offering plates in the back, or you can do so online through the church's website. Now in response to God's goodness, let's sing together the doxology.
1: Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here. Till the heavenly Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen
0: Receive now God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely so that your whole body, soul, and spirit would be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen. You may go in peace. <laughs>